Hey guys, how's it going? Matt from Foulball Productions here. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that you're doing well because I'm doing phenomenally. Thank you so very much. This is the 15th episode of the MFR podcast. I had to think about that. I, I'm not good with sequences. Uh, but thank you so much for being here. And additionally, I've got a very special show for you. I have a very special guest. Uh, the lovely Chrissy Mayer is here with me. Thank you so much, Chrissy, for being here. Thank you for having me at, in your spaceship with you. Yes, thank you. Well, this is my personal pod that I have. Uh, I orbit the planet now instead of uh, staying here because it's so crazy. I can't handle it. So I had to go, <laughs> had to go and into the rent, space. And the rent is too damn high. Way too damn high. I do have free internet. Uh, I worked at a thing with Elon. He gives me the, the Earthlink thing. So free Wi-Fi up here, which is pretty tight. Okay, yeah. good. Good it's for you. Benefit, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think sure. the signal would be good up there. No, crystal clear. Yeah, five bars all the time. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So how are you? What's been going on with you? I am good. I was just this past weekend doing a, a weekend of shows in Springfield, New Jersey, Scotty's Comedy Cove. Uh, the Wednesday before that, I was in Philly doing the uh, the Helium Comedy Club out there. And then the week before that, I was in Austin doing the Cap City Comedy Club or where the show that you went to. Uh, that was a really fun hang, all of us going out afterwards. That was really cool. That's it, doesn't great. Get to, it doesn't get to happen too much. Like sometimes it's like it was a good a good combination of like friends and fans were like, yeah, this is all like, let's just go out and drink. And uh, I was learning a lot about Sixth Street, how it's like gotten Sixth Street in Austin, like gotten a bit more dangerous. <sighs> yeah. Over the year. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 wild down there. Like it's a vibe, and the comedy scene is really cool. I mean, I was uh, briefly hooking up with this comic girl for a little while, and uh, she took me to like all these different mics. So like we started off um, like around the corner at this place. What was it? I can't remember what it was called. Speakeasy, I think it was called Speakeasy. And then we went on to Shakespeare's, and then the Creek in the Cave has their own mic. And like the whole comedy scene is is pretty rich. And I saw, you know, Amy Shankar. Oh yeah, I've heard of her. Yeah, like I was, she was just around, just hanging, and I was like, wow, this is a pretty vibrant scene. Uh, and I guess they had just done Kill Tony. The uh, Ryan Long and Ron White were on, and Hans oh, Kim cool. was hanging out. And I was like, wow, this is like. This is like a scene. It's really got a lot going on. It's a cool, cool. healthy vibe. Yeah. That's good. I was into it. Yeah. It's, um, Take that, L.A. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever spend any time in L.A.? I went once last March, or no, two Marches ago at the beginning of the pandemic. Like It was the, just a couple days before that all started. It was when my trip was ending, and I was so happy I was able to like do my, you know, do the shows. I got up at the comedy store for the first time, and I was oh, like, yeah. oh, all right, I can see why people go here. And then everything was getting weird. I was in a grocery store in West Hollywood near where my hotel was. Cause I was staying like right, basically right next to the comedy store. And like, everyone was just like chaos in this uh, grocery store. People were buying like a lot of the wipes were, were gone. And I was like, I guess for some reason I need to buy rubbing alcohol and put it into small bottles and bring it with me on the plane. Like, I just thought that was the move. Like I need to have rubbing alcohol on me. Oh, cause I thought I would have to make my own uh, sanitizing fluid. <laughs> it's like survival it's like a post-apocalyptic disaster already it wasn't really like a panic buy it was just like a dumb like i guess i have to buy cleaning fluids type buy it was weird la was very bizarre that's where i spent the duration of the pandemic and uh that was not awesome at all they took it really seriously lockdowns were super hard i mean it was just like months of not really seeing anyone except for a few of the dudes that I worked with. I was working in a bakery and so I'd see all those, saw those guys and then whoever I would run into at like the grocery store, but even like my circle was hesitant to hang and I didn't, wow. like, I, yeah, I was just like yeah. isolated. That's why I started YouTubing quite frankly, because I didn't really have much else to do. Yeah. Same. Like we got through it. God, so many of our friends got weird. Uh, we just played a lot of Pokemon Go and we would like walk to the Dungeon Donuts and like walk back. It was like awesome. Like we have some very good like pandemic memories. Of course, Tiger King. Of course. Um, yeah, just a lot of uh, Pokemon Go. I think it's a little bit. The more I talk about it, the more slightly embarrassed I am. But I mean, whatever. It, we, we no one knew what we were doing. Like, I mean, I played 
in the beginning, I played so many video games, like to completion, like just it was wow. all I was doing. Yeah, and I got to the, I got to like the sixth or seventh, and I'm like, I can't just keep doing this. This can't be what I do. Just video games and hard drinking all the time. I'm, I'm, like I'm a, not gonna make it out. It's like the kid in you. It's like this binge of like, oh, I have all the time to do whatever I want. I don't have yeah. to go back to school or work or anything. Like, what have you always wanted to do? And it was just kind of gluttonous, like the, the, yeah. the, the early days of the pandemic were very like luxurious in, in our gluttony. Mm -hmm. And then like, you know, I had all this money, you know what I mean? Like I just got thousands of dollars and like no bills. I was just buying like expensive really? tequila. Oh, yeah. so you got like, um, I never got that. I never got any of the stimulus money because I uh, hadn't, I'm, I'm like behind on my taxes. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if I'll get that retroactively when I submit them. Be pretty sick. I mean, I had just started working at a at a bar job, and like, like we did all this training. We we're just ready to open, and the pandemic hit. And then I was just like, oh, I guess I'll apply for unemployment. And then just got like this giant check and had wow. no responsibilities. Yeah, it was it was actually kind of sick in that regard. But other than that, I mean, like the the lack of social interaction and the lack of uh, carnal relations that I was experiencing all were <laughs> taking their toll on me after carnal a while. Carnal relations. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that must have been tough. So you were a single person during the pandemic. How how long did it take you before you were like, fuck it, I'm just going to fuck someone and maybe get COVID? Oh, no, I mean, I, I didn't. Like, there was a girl that I was hooking up with right before the pandemic. And we made, I mean, literally four separate attempts to meet up. And every single time she got cold feet at the last minute. And I was just like, oh, my God. I, I, I was like, is she fucking with me? Is this like wow. some kind of Wow. I can't believe you gave her four tries. That's Well, really I was generous. desperate. I was desperate. Okay. There wasn't anything else going on, you know? And it was like everyone was so paranoid. I didn't even try Tinder. So it took me until Vegas. Actually, like, the first... Uh, meetup, the first like Gary meetup in Vegas that like December to hook up with someone. So yeah, it was oh, a wow. it's a long dry spell. It wasn't all that great. Yeah, um, but yeah, oh, it was it's hard uh, out here. Yeah, it is hard out here. Um, I had a few questions for you. Oh, one thing I, I just wanted to commend you. I just thought was really great was when you had Mark Norman on your podcast a few weeks ah, ago. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. That felt that like a real get. I I've. Um, known him and uh like respected him as a comic for many years like when i started he was already like established so he's always been someone i've looked up to in terms of like work ethic and just sheer amount of uh like jokes that he can churn out yeah he's a machine yeah he really is almost like i wonder if he's autistic you know yeah, probably a little bit the degree you know. to which he can churn out jokes yeah, he's uh he's really good, and I love what this shows that he does with Rogan and um, Ari and Shane Gillis, the Protect Our Parks podcasts. Mm -hmm. Those are super fun. But what I want to specifically commend you on was the the analysis of the two bits that were super similar. I thought that was really revealing and interesting, and I, I don't think Mark was expecting that you were going to talk about that. What, well, did he did because I actually messaged him first oh, okay. uh, on Instagram because people were sending me. He, you know, he had done this special on Netflix. And so he was posting like what good comics do, like like what I'm not doing with my social media. He was putting clips from his Netflix special on his Instagram with like the words at the bottom, like the quick clips. Mm -hmm. And people had a couple people had sent those to me like, Chrissy, this is your bit. And I'm like watching it. I'm like, oh, fuck like we yeah it's the exact same premise a lot of the lines a lot of the tags were exactly the same and i was like damn and and like and it was very much about the life i was living like it's about a it's kind of a slutty person's life and i was like <laughs> but i'm like mark has also lived a slutty person's life as well but i'm like i had worked with this dude before the pandemic like a couple years ago i had opened him a whole weekend at, at the harford funny bone and we had spoken about this bit in the car on the way back i remember because i was talking about it with frank i'm like didn't we we work together right he's like yeah i drove i drove him and uh his girlfriend may back into the city afterwards and we talked about comedy and he gave me a um a tag he gave me the tag of like oh uh, no your dad got in yeah or something like that and uh and I was like, holy shit. So I messaged him. I'm like, dude, that's my joke. Like, like what's going on? Like, and it was funny because I had spoken with him probably a couple months prior because there was another guy that kind of came out of the woodwork. was like, oh, Mark Norman stole my joke. And I think I had him on maybe one of my morning shows to quickly talk about it. 
and just kind of heard the guy out. I tried to not like really take one side or the other. I was like, oh yeah, that sounds pretty similar. But I'm like, oh, but maybe it could be same brain. Who knows? And then Mark had messaged me because he had seen that episode. He's like, was like, hey, kind of thanks for being cool. Like I didn't steal that guy's bit. It's, you know, these open micers, almost like this sense of like people are trying to clout chase him, which I can understand. Mm-hmm. He's huge. Sure. Yeah. And so then this happened with one of my jokes a couple of months later. And so and he was like, he's like, are you kidding me? I'm like, no, dude. And, he, and he's like, send me the joke. So I had to screen record like I don't have a, a special like a video special. It's an album. So I screen recorded from my album the whole track. And luckily, like I have that in, you know, what I mean, it's not like, oh, I've just done it. I have it in right. a physical form, like an album, like something legitimate you can go to. And that was recorded. Like, I mean, I've had that joke for years. It's like, that's an old one. I just am not turning out a special every year. Like sure. someone like Mark is, it's like, I was always working a full-time job and you know, other excuses. So <laughs> I just, I recorded the joke, sent it to him. And uh, obviously like he has his version and he was like, wow, it's pretty similar. I was like, I was like, look, I'm going to need to talk about this on my podcast because it's just so many people have been bringing it up. Like mm. I can have you on it and we can have your side as well, or I can just address it by myself, but I really would like you to be on it. So like we can talk about this. I think it's a good example of this sort of thing happening. And so he did know about it, you know, leading into it. And so it's almost like the stuff we talked about before. Not like it was fluff, but like I had him on to talk about this joke. Sure. It's kind of a big similar. deal. Yeah, like it it's was a so big deal. similar. And each of the yeah. punches is almost like the exact same way. Like you said, you both set up the premise the same way. And it's, they're really some of the exact same punchlines. Yeah. Like he, so, the athlete line is identical, you know, and it was yeah. just like, wow. Uh, so, and I really was like, you know, I, Mark is a, he's a busy guy. He's not going to like, he, you know, he wasn't sitting during my set writing down every bit, but it's like, he heard it. It got into his head and then probably like a nugget. And then a couple of years later thought of it and was like, oh yeah, he had that, those lines like ready to go because they were maybe logged back in his brain. But I don't think he's somebody, again, he, he writes so much. He's not somebody mm-hmm. that I think would need to like steal one of my jokes. I'm going to open for him years ago and then do it years later. So, you know, there is the part of me that like the knee jerk reaction, like, that's my fucking joke. We worked with each other. What the fuck? And then I'm like, think about it, Christy. Like, you're not the fucking center of anybody's universe. Like, he's very busy. You know, this could be a same brain thing, but it's very fucking similar. And so he kind of sort of ish admitted that it was pretty darn close and apologized. And um, so and it's tricky because it's like. I want to talk about this and even clip it in a way so that people can see what we're talking about. But I didn't mm-hmm. want to make it like Mark Norman steals my bit. Right. Like I didn't want to be like, here we had this nice conversation, but then after the fact, maybe there's a clip out or something where it looks like I'm just being like, fuck you. He took my joke. Like I really was trying to be understanding about it and not do like a gotcha situation. Sure. And I think like you guys are both legit I mean, I don't know how to express this, but you're both very authentic comedians. Like, I don't really get the impression from either one of you that you're like, I really feel like when I'm hearing you guys speak, I'm getting who you really are. So the idea that he would be the type of guy who would like knowingly steal something from someone that's also like respected, I don't, that just doesn't sound like what I know of the guy. So I I think your approach was the healthiest and most productive and also a good example of how sometimes things happen like that, like wires cross, either you thought you thought of something or you came up with something together. I think Patrice and Bill Burr both had a similar bit around the same time about Mm. the Sarah McLaughlin um, commercials about the pets, you know, and they both had like uh, they both had like a similar angle on it. Like it was like the, the okay, shelters. Wow. Yeah. And it was because it was probably they just probably hanging out, making that joke. And then they both just recorded it on stage. And, you know, and it's just right. Happens. Similar. You have a similar sense of humor. You see the world in a similar way in a similar, you know, whether it's the darkness in it or the observations you make. And then you, you your brain like gets trained over time just through who you're hanging out with and how you see the world like yeah, you're going to make maybe the same comparisons and make the same patterns. Um, and if you're yeah, writing was- comedy all the time, you just are looking for funny ideas, funny premises, and then you're like, oh, that's funny. Oh, that's a really funny concept. I can build on this. And you don't even realize it wasn't your idea. Yeah, that was crazy, though. And he, But he handled it like 
he could have been an asshole and he really wasn't. He could have just like not done the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I really didn't want to like take advantage of the opportunity of having him on. Cause it was like, he was somebody I've want, I wanted on my show for a long time, but I, I'd asked him a bunch. He never got back to me. Like he's busy, Chrissy, like just find, just find other people. <laughs> so it was kind of like a, a win-win. Yeah, no, I thought you guys said it was a great show, and I really appreciated you putting that out there. So, oh, w- way to go! Yeah, hundred um, percent. I was watching another clip of yours, which was a lot different, but also equally interesting. I was watching your uh, a clip that you put out of Owen Benjamin. What are your? I don't really know much about Owen Benjamin. I know of him like as like a myth. You know what okay. I mean? Just like a, um, you know, I hear whispers of this guy. I think that was the first time I'd ever really listen to the guy speak and it was all about um like his flat earth perspective and his flat earth opinion which was i gotta tell you he does make a pretty decent argument you know there's like something yeah I, I think it's fun to think about that it's possible yeah well, i have a friend who's very convinced of it um it's it's very revealing and also if, i think if someone is like get, gets very triggered and angry by the idea of flat earth it's like that shows a lot about them like how they deal when things are out of their control and like mm-hmm. they have a paradigm shift and or just like oh the world is not what you thought and it's like we still have to all get up and go to work even if the earth is flat you know what i mean like you're still gonna take your flights and you're still gonna like everything is kind of the same but it's fun to think about why systems are put in place and who benefits from what lie or you know what system is do you count owen as like a friend or is it just someone that you interviewed i no. i think uh, i wouldn't say like no he's not somebody i would call if i was like having a bad day um but i think we're cool like i would say that we're like cordial he's somebody like you know i like to have on the show every once in a while uh we've never met or anything but i I think I was attracted to having him on at first because I'm like, I like the idea of talking to people that are like canceled and shunned by mm-hmm. like the mainstream for whatever. So getting into like, okay, why were you canceled? Why, you know, why are you misunderstood? I, I like sort of clearing the air on people that are very misunderstood, like someone like him or Gavin McGinnis or Anthony Cumia. Uh, so people can see like a fresh kind of example of who they are instead of like, oh, I heard years ago, mm-hmm. uh, this is the thing. So that's who you are forever. It's, uh, there's something nice about bringing these people back into the fold to hear from them, um, to see where they're at now. And well, so it's people can be like, oh, he's not that crazy after all. Or, oh, what's the big deal? Well, he, he was, re- I mean, I, I like I said, I, I genuinely found myself like thinking about it. And I was like, huh, really? That's true? There's no flights over Antarctica ever? You're just like... Yeah. The fact you just I'm just like wondering I'm just like thinking about it because like I have a friend of mine who is pretty hardcore in that direction and I don't personally believe it but like if you were going to ask me how to prove it I'd be like I don't really know if I'm qualified <laughs> I, I just sounded good sounded right when I learned it I don't really know for sure so I I guess I just trust it sort of relatively I think blindly. people get upset because it's like a FOMO thing same thing with like hollow earth like oh shoot like there's a whole other world out there or countries out there or like right the the idea that there are countries outside of the like with the flat earth theory is like there's this crust or the firmament or whatever and then there's there are countries like land masses outside of antarctica which rims the whole thing oh so really that's like, the theory that's another yeah. that's another theory i don't know if that's like okay. with flat earth but it's like this uh you know that's where all the elites and like government people oh, go. Really? like they'll go to countries that we don't even know about like continent, continents basically outside oh, of the uh antarctic rim or whatever so that sounds like the plot of like a dope like novel or video game or movie or something like yeah. it's just very creative i think a lot of these conspiracy guys like i i guess like I, I don't really know what to believe i personally believe that we live on a globe and it spins but like i said i couldn't prove it um but they, they, a lot of these guys are, are so creative you're like maybe you should like write a book you know yeah write a novel do something c- kind of constructive with it for sure mm-hmm. but then again if it's really the truth then they should be trying to convince people that it's true i don't know yeah. I, I, I i get in the weeds on this one i get a little it's it's fun to like do to like think about smaller ones like smaller scale conspiracy theories like like the moon landing was faked like that's mm-hmm. that's more easier easier to chew and mm-hmm. swallow than like the whole earth oh shit you know yeah 
And the, the moon one I, I do find pretty compelling also because like they always said it was Kubrick involved and then he had like the, the 2001, but then he would drop these weird little hints in his movies where you're like, shit, did Kubrick fake the moon landing? Like there's enough things to point to. It's like when mm-hmm. Danny's got like the Apollo like 13 or whatever, Apollo 11 sweat sweater in the Shining movie. You're oh, like, why did he pick that one? You know, it's such a, yeah, it was such a unique, you're just like, that, you're a Kubrick. I know every single decision you make is meticulous. So why that one? So it really does make you ask questions. And it's, yeah, it's like, once it's again, fun to think about. it is fun to think about. I couldn't prove it one way or the other. So. I'm going to be straight down the middle on that one because I just don't know. I just genuinely don't know. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I did find that uh, was super interesting, and I um, I like that. I like the idea. There was a, a guy that Ryan Long had on his podcast called John Christ or John Christ. Do you know him? Oh, I've heard of him. Yeah, I'd never heard of him, but I guess he was canceled way early on. Oh, wow. Uh, he, he was almost like Anthony Cumia, like proto-canceled, you know? Ooh. Yeah. Is I didn't know. He is a comedian. He's very funny, too. I guess he's Christian, um, which doesn't normally align with comedy. But he is quite funny. Like, I've watched a lot of his stuff since. And he was really funny on the show. And he's very, like, he has a really blunt way of communicating that I, you wouldn't expect from someone who, like, outwardly identifies as, like, a Christian. But it was really, uh, it was he's a really interesting guy. And I was like, oh, is someone canceled I didn't even know about. Did they talk about what he was canceled for? Yeah, it was just stupid speech shit. Okay. You know. It's the same, same as everyone else for the most part, you know. Everyone who didn't commit a crime, yeah. Know, just someone who's like said something you're not supposed to say when you weren't supposed to say it. But I guess he was super low. He was like suicidal about it and all that. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you kind of had like a bit of a cancelization for a little while, right? Like I don't for know. For sure. Yeah. Like a lot of hard years. <laughs> like I feel like my uh, well, okay, well specifically canceling in, in the sort of comedy world yeah it was 2018 uh when i first started going on compound media after my mom died and then i, I did an impression of this like woke comic girl and she basically mobilized a whole community uh of comics to come after me i guess because she had convinced them that, that i was encouraging people to like go go after her and it was like it was really just an insane misunderstanding and um I've talked about this on like other other podcasts, but basically, like she, you know, when we were chatting, she was like, "You don't understand, Chrissy. Like, people are saying this one guy said I should be raped with a railroad spike," and I was like, "Kate, where would someone even get a railroad spike in 2018?" <laughs> and I think because I didn't appropriately uh, empathize with her with her victimhood, mm-hmm. she didn't like that, and she kind of like turned me into an enemy, and then. Uh, but th- this is all in hindsight. So after that railroad spike conversation, I went back on compound on in hot water wrapped up in like this tinfoil costume being like, I'm a, I'm spike. I'm the anti raping railroad spike. Like I don't want to be up in any human <laughs> heatster. I have a spike. I have six little spikes at home that I care about very much and a rail. Like I'm not interested in any kind of interspecial. So I was being this goofy personified railroad spike thing, but since it was behind a paywall, uh, Kate and all of her underlings, I guess, and the people that are trying to suck up to her to eventually, I don't know, get something from her. Take screenshots. Someone takes screenshots. Oh, look, this is Chrissy being the rail- the railroad spike, and that was turned into, look at Chrissy's being this raping railroad spike. Look wow. how horrible she is. She's such a horrible person hmm. encouraging people to send her death threats. Meanwhile, she was uh. like not able to produce a single actual death threat. But this was coming off like the Me Too era, so she was fully taking advantage of that. And since she had better credits than me at the time, a lot of comedians kind of just like took to her side. Mm-hmm. And since I'm on compound media, like, ugh, I'm already mm. perceived as sort of like alt-right and uh, scary, I guess. Which is funny because like not too long before then, I was like hosting a show every month at the Stonewall Inn that a lot of these like liberal comics were like trying to get on. So it takes very little for the, the sort of like community perception to flip. And that's when I kind of realized, like, oh, wow, okay, this is, it's all about how things look and, um, like, the virtue signaling and, um, like, doing the right thing, I guess, which I was never doing because I just wanted to explore my own sense of humor and be with the people that I thought were funny. Well, that that is funny. Yeah. 
But that's funny because the response is like, oh, okay, she didn't think I was empathetic enough, so I'm just going to make a joke and go yeah. so far in the other direction, which still isn't good enough for her. Is she still a comedian? Does she still work this person? I think so. I think so. She's gained like 100 pounds since then. <laughs> well, that sounds still funny. Working. Yeah, maybe that's... she's not well. but um, Maybe not. Because she doesn't – I mean yeah. – I don't know her. I've never seen her. I have no idea. But I just that just doesn't sound funny, like a funny person. That sounds like someone who kind of wants to have a cause. Oh, yeah. And her, her boyfriend died of a drug overdose, and then she totally made it about her. Oh, yeah. I think she even, like, wrote a book about it or partially. So it's like, okay, this is a person who's, like, taking advantage of of the things that are happening around them. Yeah, that's pretty gross. It's pretty... Uh... It's pretty lame. It's 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 very much like I I live in Austin, Texas now. I've lived in L.A. and New York. I've always been in like progressive cities, and I, I'm just now <laughs> gaining some skills on how to navigate these people and stop like stepping on my own dick. You know. Um, <laughs> wow, it's that big. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I don't like to brag, um, but it's just like <laughs> I've never heard just, anybody say that. You never heard that expression? Step no. On your, step on your own dick? No. It's. I think it's a kind of just a put your foot in your mouth or just shoot yourself in the foot kind of thing. Um, but just meaning like they're, they're out there and they are, there's a lot of people that are just looking to get angry or looking to, you know, use you as some sort of lightning rod to make themselves look moral or just or something like that. And uh, I think part of like living in these cities, I guess as a comic, it's a little different cause you have like an act, but for me, it's like a little bit more like, Oh, I just have to, I don't know, learn how to navigate and deal with these people in a more, con not constructive, but like, strategic way because they're out there and what they want to do is like use you to i don't know make yeah, some point that's what i learned like people will purposely misunderstand you if it furthers their cause mm -hmm. and you're like oh wow okay yeah that's just I part did... of growing older you learn like who your core group of people are like who is your crew and you learn to kind of like protect yourself a little yes. better. yeah Precisely. Like, that's exactly what I'm suddenly learning how to do, which I'm happy because it's a useful skill. And also, it does allow you to get to know some people who are, like, cooler. Like, for instance, I was uh, talking with this girl at a bar the other day, and uh, she was friends with the bartender. And I just got the impression that they, they were kind of like a little woke duo, which is fine, be woke, whatever. Um, but that also means I'm playing it really close to the chest during this yeah. conversation. And so I was talking with this girl, the Packers were playing, and she was saying how she didn't like Aaron Rodgers and I just assumed it was because he went on Rogan and talked shit about the Vax that's mm -hmm. what I just assumed it's Austin but as I got to know her look she actually had some pretty funny reasons she's like I don't know his helmet's so bulbous why is it so big and I was like oh okay and then she just said some of the things that he said and I was like oh here it comes and then it didn't and I was like okay oh. I'm actually talking with a real human being this is great but like me giving it that space and just trying to fill them out without ever asserting anything of my own gave me the insight to this person so it works in both ways that's good. You know? yeah it's pretty cool that's really cool yeah I, it's so quick to judge it's easy to judge like when i was in austin for that show i was like huh this audience is going to be uptight and liberal and like are they even going to like me i'm like pre-defensive and the crowd was awesome and everybody mm. it, the show went really well i'm like oh this is great you know and so yeah, you have to watch. Like, it's so easy to prejudge a city, a type of person. And same thing when I was in Philly, my opener was a girl with a shaved head and earrings and I think tattoos, but she had a shirt that said vaccine on it. And, and like, she's opening, she's featuring for me. And I'm like, oh God, like, is this going <laughs> to be a mismatch? And then, like, I, I didn't, I heard some of her set, but not, not listening too closely because I was getting ready to go up. And then I got on stage. I'm like, wow, I can't believe that girl, Sarah was here to open for me. I thought she was here to protest the show. Like she looks like every girl I fight with on Twitter. Like I, I really can't believe that she was, you know, she's cool with it. And then I stay after the show. I talk with her. Turns out she's fucking up. She's pure blood as well and based as fuck and had wow. actually asked to specifically open for me. No she way. She was like kind of a fan. And she's like, oh, vaccine? That's just a band. And I was like, oh, oh my God. Wow. I was like, you are so not what I thought you were. And it felt really cool. That is to, cool. Like, I mean, of course, you can't help but judge people. It's, of course. it's like, it's, uh, it's reflexive, but it felt good to like 
stay and hang out with her and the other the other host i was like you know what i'll stay and hang with them instead of like if i had went with my judgment and just like went back to my hotel i wouldn't have had this and now i have this like nice connection with these guys and i'm like if you're ever in new york like i thought they were great and it was a fun hang that's so cool and uh, i think most headliners they just like get the fuck out of there or they you know at least the ones that are like older and more famous than me sure (laughs) they just scram and uh i don't know i kind of like to hang out Cause I was like, I like the vibe, you know, same thing. I had judged Philly. I was like, Oh, it's going to be so dangerous. Am I even going to be okay? But it's like, I fucking, I'm in New York every week, which people also think is retardedly dangerous. And, um, I liked the street that the fil- that the Philly helium was on. I just like, I liked the feeling of it. And it was cool to hang with these, uh, local comics. And I was happy that I didn't judge her for having a shaved head. So mm-hmm. she's like, I'm not fucking vaccinated. I was like, what? Nice. <laughs> Dude, that's rad. <laughs> that's so funny. That reminds me of something that happened to me in uh, in Austin here. So I was hanging out with a bunch of girls at a bar uh, that I had just met, but one of them I was I was hitting it off really well with, um, and you know, lots of connection and physical, you know, like the indicators that you know this is going well. And uh, she was unbuttoning her shirt, and you're like, I think this is going well. I think we're headed somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but they were so then the girls started talking and me and the other dudes were just kind of having a chat and they were having a talking about how bad dating is in Austin. And I was like, oh, I'm kind of curious, like how, you know, what are the things? Uh, and then the girls were talking, well, you know, you either have to like sacrifice looks or like whatever, well, how their brain works or what they think. And I was like, OK, <laughs> Functioning brain. I was like, I understand that, you know, it's I hot, but retarded. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I totally identify with this problem. I, I've had the same issue. And uh, but then they started really what the truth of the matter was. It was uh, the politics really is the issue is that they're like, oh, I won't date these hot conservative guys. And uh, oh, man, they're missing yeah. out. And that's, like, <laughs> that's what they fucking actually want. Like deep down, a girl thinks she wants, you know, oh, but it's like, no, you need a guy to kind of like check you a little bit. There needs to be some balance, strong. right? Yeah. yeah. You don't want yeah. men aren't women and you don't want that. But the one girl was saying like, oh, yeah, you know, if he says moderately conservative on his Tinder profile, you got to watch out because that means fully conservative. And then the girl that I was like hitting it off with just she was telling she was talking about how now, but, but mind you, the girl that I've been hanging it off with and the other girl, they both had said uh, respectively that they had been single for five and seven years. Oh, okay. That's you know, a lot. That's it's a lot. lot. If you won't make one sacrifice for other people's values and you're like, no, I'm going to stay single forever if it means I right. don't have to date someone who thinks Trump's not that bad, you know? Uh, and wow. then she said that she went on this date and uh, and then she was like so upset at the end because she learned, oh, he's a Trump supporter, he's anti-vax, and then he's and he supports Joe Rogan. She was just like repulsed. And supports just, Joe Rogan? He's not <laughs> running for office. What's there to support? You listen or you know. don't. Yeah. I don't know. And I was also just like, you're going to exclude anyone who listens to the biggest podcaster on the planet? Like, it's a mostly guy audience. He gets like right. 200 billion downloads a year. Do you know how many people you're excluding from potentially dating? It's like all of them. you're telling me you're, you can't find one Rogan episode that you thought was okay? Like, that's just, <laughs> you're not even giving it a try then. It was wild. It was such a wild um, standard to uphold. And so once I overheard her say that, I was just after a little while, I was just like, oh, I got to get going. I got things to do. You know, just like, all right, this is fucking stupid. I'm Damn. all three of those things. She's never going to, like, where's this going to go? Um, but then, so I was like, well, that was crazy. But then a few weeks later, I asked this other girl at another bar. I'm like, could you ever date someone who, like, listens to Joe Rogan? She's just like, you know, I don't think so. You know, he's been spreading all this dangerous misinformation. Oh, the fucking, the, the, media took a hold of her brain but it was like two people in two totally different situations i'm like this is a thing i was thinking about doing like a man on the street interview and just finding out how many women in austin won't date guys who like joe rogan yeah that's a good idea i know it was like pretty crazy right i was just like disheartening like i that sucks it sucks to be a single dude right now yeah it definitely does especially with such insane standards like that it's just like all right if you don't want a Trump guy voted for Trump. All right, whatever. I mean, okay, the Vax thing, you can kind of go back and forth on. But likes Joe Rogan? <laughs> like, are you serious? What yeah. a sin. My God. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, uh, <laughs> that's pretty fucking funny. That's like, I think women are easier to psyop. Uh, I think they're more, because um, we have a people-pleasing gene in us, and I think it cuts off our free thinking sometimes. 
Like our, I, we, we, we don't want to stand out. I think it has to do something like biologically in you because you're more vulnerable. So it's like we are more inclined to like be with a group. That's where the whole like going to the bathroom in a group came from. Uh, I think it's like it's something biological in women that the government like fucking knows about and fully takes advantage of and the media fully takes advantage of because women are easier to trick and uh, lead astray. I agree. I mean, I think if you take that, the idea, the kind of the origins of this new ideology that's taken hold, this sort of mind virus, as it's been referred to, it started with feminism. I mean, that was like where it first took root and then just kind of, you know, morphed into this monstrosity that we have today. That's just kind of like turned people into like. And now people uh, are growing dicks on their arms. Yeah, exactly. Things are out of hand. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have a question for you about because I, I I've always been like comedy adjacent like I I was a, an actor for a really long time and I've done like a few open mics but I don't consider myself like a comedian but I've always been a huge fan and I would hear do you think you're fu- you think you're funny yeah okay I do, do could, I mean it's a weird get thing back now. into it do you want to get back into it I do yeah I absolutely okay. do yeah I have like jokes written down and concepts and stuff like that and um but the question was more about like I used to hear so much about women in comedy and how dangerous uh, comedy is for women and all these things. And I was just curious, like, what your insight or opinion is on that whole topic. I imagine the only place where it's dangerous for women in comedy would be, like, in the Middle East without a fucking burqa <laughs> or whatever you're supposed to wear when you're out there. Like, I don't it's, – it's not any more – it's not any more – it might be – I think – Life is dangerous for men and women in different ways. So to say like that just applies to comedy is a fucking cop out, I think, for not working as hard. It's just like I think women who are prone to do like to go to like a victim status thing, they'll be like, oh, I'm not getting enough opportunities. And instead of saying, fuck, am I not working hard enough? Do I need to change up what what I'm doing? They'll say, oh, it's just hard to be a woman because that way no one can help you and you can't change anything about yourself. So you're now resigned to your circumstances. And I think that's a cop out. Um, I think it's hard to, for men in comedy as well, especially if you're like a white guy. Then people go, oh, you're dime a dozen. Like Tyler Fisher, his agent straight up told him there's nothing for white guys right now. Sorry. Uh, my co-host on my compound media show, this guy, Andrew Harms, he was fucking mugged on the way to do the show. Wow. Still came, still did the show with like his nose bleeding and no wow. wallet. I'm like, wow. it, yeah, that you could say it's hard to be. But men can't say it, man a man can't say oh it's hard it's hard to live in new york city or it's hard to be a man in comedy or like it's hard just living uh right now so and i think that's taking advantage too because like a man's kind of i think the me too movement takes advantage of a man's kind of you want to protect i guess and like Mm. i think women instinctually know that and it's it's just taking advantage it's like i had this joke that this is part of my early like I guess cancellation from like the mainstream I guess like New York City comedy scene because there was this like uh there were like left and right these girls were like claiming oh I got raped this was again during like me too these like um more mostly open mic level girl comics be like oh so and so raped me in the in the basement of this club and so and so this and I'm like and I'm like I just uh, what did I say I said um Oh man, it was something about, and it was such, it was a line that people repeated for years. Oh, that's what I said. If you have time to get raped, you're not doing enough spots. And <laughs> you lost your fucking mind over this. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not this. I'm, this is not me victim blaming. This is not me. I'm like, literally, I look at myself like, I have never been raped because I am too fucking busy. I'm, I'm trying to get better. I'm not lingering late night in a basement drunk with the wrong people. You know what I mean? Like, don't put yourself in that situation and it's not going to happen to you. And some women are so fucking dumb. They just like you, they live their lives irresponsibly. And then they're like, no, it's not because you were out late drunk, uh, till 2 AM in front of a bunch of horny dudes wearing a skirt, hanging out after a show. It's like, no, that has nothing to do with like being a woman in comedy. It says you were dumb and made bad choices and you didn't look after yourself. So I'm like, if you were out doing spots all night, guess what you wouldn't have time to do? Get raped. And everybody <laughs> lost their minds over that. For years, people would would keep saying that. That was like my catchphrase. It's so funny. Also, I bet very poorly received. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it especially for me. It got me kicked out of the uh like New York City lady Facebook group, comedy comedy Facebook group for sure. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> so. a fucking great line that's so funny uh well i mean there, there's something authentic about that though like it's it's you know if you're like in the wrong neighborhood and you get robbed like isn't that kind of maybe shouldn't you have been looking over your shoulder or like what are you doing there late at night like there's kind of like you know just anyone's personal yeah. accountability for putting themselves in dangerous situations it's like obviously not defending the terrible act but it's just kind of like yeah sometimes i mean i don't know it's a little tougher for me to comment on but there is something to the like you're putting yourself in dangerous situations that's a little bit on you yeah but that is interesting, but I mean, it's not—it's not an uncommon uh, narrative. Like uh, Bonnie McFarlane made that whole documentary about it, the "Women Aren't Funny" documentary, and she's very funny. You know, I've always thought her to yeah. be a good comedy, but I've a good comedian. But I've heard of—I've heard her uh, say certain things just about women in comedy and how it's difficult. I mean, that was even though it was mostly a joke, that was still kind of the thesis of that documentary: is that like it's tougher and. Uh, yeah, yeah for sure. And I just saw um, Jessica Kirsten, who is arguably the funniest female comic. She is like that is genius. like I say that without hesitation. She's so fucking good. Mm -hmm. She just was turned down by Netflix for a special. So it's like things are changing. And like, I don't see her. I mean, she did tweet about like, well, what the, what the fuck kind of. But she wasn't like, oh, it's so hard being a woman in comedy, you know, because she knows she's talented. And I think just the comedy landscape is sort of changing. And uh, well, Bonnie's married to another comic, Rich Voss. Rich. So who knows? Maybe from her perspective, she sees them as equally talented. And maybe she sees, you know, <laughs> but everyone is different. That's the thing is like you can't really compare yourself to uh, like male comics. Like it's just the opportunities are different hmm. and the opportunities that you make for yourself. It, there's there's so much going on. Like it's it's like, I don't know. I imagine dentists have the same, you know, problems, right? Like, oh, it's so hard to be a female dentist. I'm not respected in my in my area of expertise. I, I face sexism. It's like, I don't know. Maybe you were fucking sounding like a bimbo one day. Well, I think I a just lot find of times, that it's such a cop out. I feel like that's a, that's I an excuse. I I often see like I'm not like I'm not a woman in comedy, so I can't say for sure. But a lot of times when people say that, they'll just be like, well, look at the the top you know, 20 earning comedians, you know, like 19 of them are guys. So, you know, therefore, you know, we have a sexism problem in comedy. It's like, but you're also not acknowledging that the majority of open micers, the majority of all these guys getting no acknowledgement, getting no deals are also guys. Like More comedians are guys. Probably like, I don't know, 60% or more of comedians are men. So... Just, it's like, like you I don't, don't know. count you don't count all those guys who get absolutely nothing when you're assessing right. how unfair the landscape is and it's like the same thing kind of it's in, not even just in comedy just in general it's just like oh you know we want more women this more women that it's like the majority of men don't have like a lot of power in their lives or like money or capital they yeah. you know, work at gas stations and shit like that it's like you never really factor them in when you're talking about how unequal yeah. things are you could for, argue for that it's, women. that it's easier to be a woman in comedy because when you're starting out just about every produce show has to have like their token woman and so if you're ki even kind of a funny chick especially if you're good looking at all it's easy for you to get those first couple of spots and like you can kind of take advantage of the fact that like if a guy is into you he could probably book you on his show and like you can be smart and like you have different tools in your belt that you can use to help further yourself and it's like your looks will only take you so far then you actually have to eventually write good jokes but they can help get you a leg up and gets you on those first couple of shows where a better, uh, like a more talented guy who's maybe a little, like doesn't stand out as much. He's not, uh, you know, the right skin color. He's just a boring old white guy. Like he may not get those initial first couple of spots that a woman would. So. Mm -hmm. Speaking of um, boring old white guys, uh, but the guy who at your show in Austin, who was like not the feature, but the one right before him, I don't know what that's. Okay, the host. Referred. Not the host, because there was like the host, and then there was another dude who like. Um, okay, that's the feature. That's the feature, and then what's well, the girl? Well, it depends. It depends. Like, if it's three people in a show, there's a host, feature, and headliner. So, like, yeah. I guess technically, I, I had two openers. So mm -hmm. I had Lila and that other guy. Maybe his name was Andrew. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember his name, but he was. I really liked his set. I thought okay, he was cool. very funny. Yeah, he had some good jokes that I like. One that I've been repeating. I don't want to burn it for him, but it was. Uh, it was just. I was just like, wow, that was good. And he's like a local comic, local Austin comic. I was like, oh, that's really funny. I was like, I really enjoyed. Oh, that I wish one. I could remember what his last name was. I'll have to look yeah. back. I don't. I don't know. 
a, a comic friend of mine here knew it like immediately when I described okay. it. I was, like, I was like, whoa, that's weird. Like, how the hell did you know that so quickly? Um, he knew yeah. what comic it was based on you doing his joke? She did. She knew just oh, about cool. a very a very loose description. I was like, yeah, he's like kind of tall, skinny white guy, wears glasses. And she goes, you know, whatever his name was. I was like, uh, Google. I was like, that's him. Like, holy shit. How did you do that? Oh, wow. It was like a, was like a magician. I was like, that was that's impressive. Cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Man. Yeah. Yes, she she actually very much is a, a like she's young too, she's like twenty three, but really oh, knows awesome. her shit. Yeah, knows her knows her stuff for sure. Um, yes, yes. Uh, you know, I I have a question for you uh, from from Steph. You know, Steph, my nerdy home that was hanging oh, out yeah. with us. Oh yeah, I love Steph. <laughs> I was like, do you want me to ask her anything? And she said, uh, yeah, well, they're just girly questions. But she says, um, I'm just curious how your wedding planning is going. Oh. Have, <laughs> have you thought of a theme or are you going to elope? Okay, so we have thought about, right, do we want to, I think I definitely want to do it in a church because I feel like I want to be like, make. I want to make God happy. So, <laughs> and that feels like the right thing to do. Make up and for all the other things. Make, all, all make up decisions. for all the years of yeah. indiscriminate dick sucking yeah that's <laughs> that's how i'm gonna get back in his good graces yeah um we're waiting until his brother's wedding is done and that's next month and then you know content house is at the end of october so we're probably oh, really yeah. gonna start looking after that i have like started doing like little pinterest boards like i'm just looking at like hairstyles and like dress styles and uh but i also want to be smart about it and see if i can like do a lot of this stuff without going totally broke like I think it would be cool to get like a cool discount dress that's like and, and not have to spend like two or three grand on it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think the color scheme is going to depend on like what time of year it is. Like a spring wedding, probably different colors than a summer wedding. So, yeah, this is definitely have, a question that like this Steph is a would be chick, able to. Yeah, this yeah, is a question for sure. I can already see you checking out. So oh, I'm just like I'm like <laughs> I don't really have any thoughts or opinions on this. Like, I used to do a lot of uh, wedding bartending, um, and I was like, maybe I can. You weigh seem in on that. like a wedding bartender. I was, I was, and uh, some insight that I used to that I got that was like a little who unsettling. Gets the, yeah, who gets the drunkest at weddings usually? It'll always be some like random relative, you know, like for the most part, it would just be some guy where you're just like, Jesus, buddy, get it together. But there was a thing that I used to I clocked quite a bit was there was a lot of uh, very sexual energy coming off the bride, uh, usually on the days of their wedding. Towards yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would get that every Not every time, but like it would or there'd be like intentionally like avoiding interacting or there would just you'd get like a real like aggressive sexual vibe off the off the bride wow. and i've heard of stories uh i heard a story about a, a guy who uh found out years after they'd been married that his wife had had sex with the bartender at their whatever event no! in the in the bed that they eventually consummated the marriage in the next oh night my God. i know <laughs> And when and I heard like, that and story, that guy was me. And that guy was Matt from Fellball Productions. No, I, I, when I heard that story, I was like, hundred percent, hundred percent. Like, I just got that real sexual vibe off a lot of brides. I don't you know. know what it is because it's like you're in a, you're in a, um, I don't want to call it like a non-threatening position, but it's like you're, you're not in the bridal party at all. You're not involved at all, but just no. like you're in the room, and plus, like. Think about what goes into like your wedding day. I imagine like you're probably in the best shape you've been in in a while. Your hair is done. Everything's done. You're probably wearing like awesome underwear underneath. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Right. But you're like feeling you're feeling good. And mm -hmm. it's probably like you're probably a little drunk. So it's like, oh, <laughs> any any guy who's like even a little bit kind of hot. You're like, oh, hello. You know. I think that's part of it. I think it's also just as much as like guys getting cold feet. I think it's women getting really cold feet too and just kind of a little bit of that panic of mm. like being stuck with the person forever, right? Like Aww. no no new excitement, no like never going to have that kind of new exciting night with a new guy and that feeling of electricity. Oh, okay. I think that's part of it too. It's just kind of like a bit of a panic. But yeah, I yeah. see that it's not, not that uncommon. It was pretty interesting. Wow, and then so you slipped him your card, and you're like, in case you ever he goes on a business trip. <laughs> I never did sleep with any um, brides. I never did, but I slept with a f enough women from my days bartending weddings. It was easy. It was just, I mean, it's how I got laid for a while. Wow, same yeah. thing because you're dressed up, you mm -hmm. look good, 
You're like, I'm. It's, it's a fun time. Everyone goes to a wedding wanting to have a good time. Yep. And then they keep coming back to the bar. So there's no, I don't have to break the ice with conversation. We're already talking, you know, you make a few jokes. Ha, ha, ha. And then they're just like, you're cute. What are you doing after that? You know, they're already loose. Oh, it's like, like shooting fish in a barrel. Jesus. It was just layups, layups, layups. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty great. <laughs> it was pretty great. So why'd you stop? Well, I left L.A., you okay. know, and it was like I just kind of moved on. It's also like events are kind of a tough way to make a living because they're very sporadic. And okay. you don't like, you know, you, you'll do really well during wedding season. But then there's these droughts where you just don't have any gigs. And you're like, oh, fuck, I don't know what to do. So you, it was just too much stress to try to juggle that lifestyle after okay. a while, you know. And I'm, like, I'm getting old. I'm like approaching 40. I need a little bit of stability. You, you don't look I mean? it. Thanks. Thanks. But. It's true, 37 this uh, this year. So, yeah, just, I don't know, you got to grow up a little bit sometimes, right? Are you dating anybody right now? I, I'm i not dating anybody. I, I was dating someone, and then that kind of fizzled, and I have a few girls I'm talking to. Okay. I, uh, I have, like, a date set up for tomorrow with a girl that approached me, actually, which was kind of cool. Ooh. Um, yeah, I would have approached her, but I stupidly didn't. I forgot the geography of like where I live, and she says she lived in Cedar Park, which I thought was like more by Dallas. And I was like, oh, well, I'm not gonna ask out someone who lives three miles away, but it's actually only like 25 minutes away. So okay. luckily, she asked me out, and so I don't know. I'm gonna meet up with, meet up with her tomorrow. Okay, but, cool. Yeah, just um, bachelor, very much so at the moment. Do you want to get married? I think so. You know, I think I do, but I also think like, I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess you could get married. Like, I, I feel like I'm getting old, you know what I mean? I feel like I'm approaching an age where it's kind of like, yeah, that might have already, that might have already passed me by. You know? No, you're a man. You can, you can, you could actually, Matt, dick around like 10 more years before. 10 more can, years? Yes. And still have kids probably that aren't retarded. Like, <laughs> you have time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's comforting to know. Yeah, I, that's good to know. Because I just started thinking about it. I'm just like, well, if I have kids now, I mean, I'm going to be like 60 and he'll be, you know, 20 or whatever. It's just. It's funny. The figuring out if you want kids or not is a really good catalyst for like the marriage thing. Because I think like with our generation, like, I don't, I don't know, like nobody was really asking me. Like, I don't know. It's just it's having kids didn't seem important. And then I was like very much had a feminist phase in college. So then I kind of moved away from it even more, but it, like, it just took me time to like figure out what I really wanted. And now it's like, oh yeah, maybe if I could squeak one out, that would be cool. Squeak one out. Is that the goal? Yeah. Are you, are you like? I think so. Yeah. yeah, I think so. But same thing. Like I don't want to be too old and I don't want it to like be all fucked up either, but. Right. Yeah. I don't want to destroy the kid from the jump people keep telling me like don't worry about it like look at so and so they had a kid at 40 something so it's like all right mm -hmm. i mean yeah. segura had his kids pretty late in life right and like oh really yeah i think he's he's got like two kids that are like under five and he's i don't know what 45 something like that okay so, that's not, yeah that seems fine yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure he's a millionaire, but still, you know what I mean? Like, it's it, the, the logistics work. It's so tricky work. because, like, biology and, like, uh, you know, olden times, you'd be having kids right in your 20s. But, like, that's when you're at your most broke and confused and mm -hmm. you're, like, horny and fucking around the most. And you're not in a place to think, like, who do I want as a life partner? And it's right. like, and by the time you're making enough money where you're like, yeah, I think I can handle this. Uh, you're starting to approach like, oh, God, especially for women, you're like, oh, fuck, am I getting too old now? Like, this really mm -hmm. sucks. And uh, I don't know. I'm just lucky that I found somebody good at all because, like, a woman pursuing stand-up comedy, I think when the conversation of it's hard being a woman, I think it has to do with the, the work-life balance because, like, I started stand-up at 26. So I, like, I sunk all my best dating and having kids' years into stand-up pretty much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you're, it's a big, scary commitment. And like, if I had been like where I'm at right now with having kids, like 10 years ago, I probably not, wouldn't have gone for it because it's like, it's all your time to go out and date. It's like all your prime dinner date hours are spent at Mike's and mm -hmm. it's like, you better love it, you know? And if you don't like you're, you're, you're not going to make it. And I think, so yeah. I think the women that do sink all this time and commitment into it and they're like, fuck, I'm not where I would have liked to be. Um, I mean, men have that feeling too. Like, wow, I sunk 10, 15 years into this and I'm not, 
household name. That's what but... I did with acting. I mean, I, I sunk like 15 years into it and like barely made a dent. It was uh, pretty, pretty disheartening. You know, it was, it was one of those things where it's like you believe in it, you believe in it. But then I'm in Los Angeles and eventually it just dawns on me. I'm like, oh, they're never going to cast me like. I'm not the type. Which is type. crazy because it's you seem crazy. like you would be the type. Yeah, but they just, no. It's like you're not in vogue. It was exactly what your uh, your co-host heard. I mean, I heard that from so many different managers and agents. And, you wow. know, they always word it strategically. But you know what that means. Like, they're just, we're not looking for and straight then you're white like, men right now. When are white men going to be in again? They can't <laughs> tell you. Like, by the time they're in again, you're going to be, like, fucking even older. So it's like, damn. What? And you get it from both sides too, because like at the same time, like all these girls in Hollywood still act as if I have all these advantages and privileges and things oh, like wow. that. You know, it's like crazy. So you're just like, what are you guys talking about? Like, I had a coach say like, well, you know, don't want to say this, but all, all the white men get they get all the roles, and I'm just like, I don't get any roles. So I yeah. don't, I don't. I mean, me personally, I've not benefited from this amazing uh, system that you claim exists. Your amazing but, privilege, yeah. Yeah, it would be, I'd be awesome if I knew where to cash in. I would cash in today, like. You know, tell me where to do that. Um, I do. What is your what does your fiance do? Is that public? He it's not super public, but he does have still like a nine to five regular job, but also helps me like with my podcast stuff and cool my business now. Yeah. Is and I funny? was working. He's so funny. Really? Frank makes me laugh more. And I've dated a couple of real comedians. Uh, he could be a stand up if he really wanted to. Like we both have the same like quickness, like comedy mind. Like we'll sort of like sometimes we'll like write a fucking a, a tweet together and I'll be like, all right, I'm going to send it out. Um, he's That's so great. good on podcasts. He's so sharp. He's so funny. He, he legit makes me like laugh the hardest of, of anybody. Uh, and I think I found when I was dating standups, like there was always this a little bit unspoken, like competition. Like there was mm -hmm. always an underlying, I didn't like it. Yeah. What do they say? Yeah. Like the, it's only like a house is only big enough for one headshot or something like that. Oh my God, really? Ha, yeah. That's great. That's yeah. funny. I know. And I was, every time I dated an actress, I was like, oh my, that is so spot on. It's just too much of the same crazy or whatever it you is. You know what it it's, is? It's like, cause you're trying to make a business out of yourself and, um, it, it just works so much better when you have somebody like two people working together on the same thing. Cause it's like, mm. you can't help someone with, with their business while you're trying to start your own. It's like, you're just it's it's like it's an amazing blessing that like frank does not want to be in the spotlight he totally is talented enough where he could be but that he wants to like help me like grow my shit is like really amazing did yeah. you say he goes on podcasts yeah we we've done um god when, when we first met we started a podcast together like maybe a month or two into dating which seems wow. like such a huge commitment that's and that, crazy that was like in 2014 15 and um, we did that together for like maybe a year or so. And then we, our third mic person ended up being such a pain in the ass. Like we both mm. ended up like bailing out of it. And uh, so he's so good. And he'll, he'll sometimes would chime in on my show. Um, but then we've done Frank Valbiro's show, quite frankly. He's like a big libertarian guy. Like, so we've both done his show together. And he's so great on that. He's, he's so, he's so smart. And like, he's like, you know, kind of classically libertarian. So, we kind of like sometimes make a lot of the same points, but yeah, but not, not as often as I think, like I always check in with him. I'm like, do you have the bug to like do more stuff? And he's like, he's like, no, I'm good. I'm good. That's so, cool. I think if I eventually get like, uh, like move out or get my own like studio or like become like my business gets bigger and I can like maybe bring on more podcasts, like maybe there's a chance for him to do his own thing there, but I think he's cool with it right now. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, hey, if if, if yeah. he's like got that position where he's supporting you and he doesn't have that feeling of like I'm not honoring mm -hmm. this need to be an artist, then yeah, it's, it's the best situation, really. Yeah. I have uh, I have one more question for you before I let you go. I saw that you were hanging out with Cecil the other day, <laughs> and I know that Cecil's identity is we're secret. like buds. Really? Yeah. See, I wouldn't, and I never would want to you know, besmirch or, or try to ask anyone's secret identity because my partner in culture crime fighting vigilante, he keeps his identity secret. Um, but is Cecil a stand-up comic? He's not, but I wouldn't be surprised if he moved towards that way. And I think he's going to be 
like less of a secret identity. I think he revealed his face kind of by accident the other day, but he was okay. only, I think, doing that because he was going through like a really bad divorce. Oh. Um, so I think he's going to be more open with his face these days. When I heard him on, I think it was FNT, like his speed and his he's references. So funny. I was like, this guy's got to be a comic. He did. He did my show on Compound uh, on oh, Monday. Okay. So what? Yesterday. And he was. It's he's wild. getting a lot faster. He's really funny. And With the he references lives in, and he lives in Brooklyn. So and I'm, you know, I'm in the city every week. I'm like, dude, you can come by whenever you want. We were hanging out with like Anthony Kumi at the bar last cool. night. Like we're just That's all cool. cracking each other up. Like it was a blast. That's so, rad. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I like that guy. I thought, I thought he was funny. But all right, that's interesting to know. I, I see. I had him pegged for like uh, he's a stand up and he's just like his online thing is separate. I don't know. But that, uh, yeah. All I right, think that's... he could. He's somebody who could have, but like had a big had a big job like that, you know, was like an entrepreneur in hmm. his 20s, made a lot like, a, like a, you know, made his money and then married, had kids. So it's like that stuff takes up the time where you would be yeah. grinding it out at Mike's. It's almost like in my case, like you're delayed development helps you a lot with stand-up sure yeah, yeah. let's use maintain a, a juvenile sense of humor for a while oh, yeah totally yeah uh well chrissy where uh, where can people find you online uh my youtube channel the chrissy mayor podcast i try to bang out four new episodes a week i'm on compound media mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, uh, my show's called The Wet Spot. On Sundays is Simpcast. It's on my YouTube channel at 9 p.m. Eastern. Hey, Fridays. by the way, sorry, I have a bone to pick with you. I saw okay. the Simpcast the other day, and it said Anthony Cumia was on it. And then what? Uh, well, he didn't well, come. Yeah, he yeah. bailed, but he sent his girlfriend in his place. He sent Missy. Uh, okay. And he felt I was really like bad. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. I, I never saw him. I know. He's gonna. I'm gonna have to rebook him. Okay. Yeah, that was a bummer. I think he just was like not feeling up to it or whatever. All right. So he'll definitely come back on. And then Fridays, I'm on uh, Nerdrotics channel doing Friday Night Tights and then doing a bunch of shows. Thursday, I'll be at the Bridgeport Stress Factory. At the end of the month, I'll be in New Orleans. So September 30th and October 1st, I'll be at the Comedy House in New Orleans. And then the Orlando Improv Show is on October 27th. Right on. Well, hey, thank you so much for doing this. This was great. Thank you, Matt. Right on. And thank you guys. Uh, you know the drill. Please like, subscribe, share with your friends. This is a this is an easy one to share, okay? You're not just relying on me and my insight and jokes. This has got a professional stand-up comedian who we all love. So please do me a solid. Share this one out. Let people know about it. And uh, see you all in the next one. Thank you so much. <laughs>